My name is Kevin Hines. I jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. I believed that I had to die, but I lived. Today, I travel the world with my lovely wife, Margaret, sharing stories of people who have triumphed over incredible adversity. Now, we help people be here tomorrow. Welcome to the Hindsights Podcast. Hey guys, what is cracking? It's Kevin Hines, and this is part of the Triumph series. Uh, what does it mean to triumph? Triumphing over immeasurable adversity, that is what the show's about. This is our series, breaking down stories from around Atlanta, even around the world, eventually, uh, of triumph over great adversity. I'm here with my great friend, Ty Shot. What's cracking? How you doing? Good to see you, my friend. All right, so uh, Ty Shot, uh, we met uh, a few months ago now. Uh, yeah. and beginning I, of the year. Uh, beginning of the year, right? Mm-hmm. It is 2019, we met in the beginning, at Best Buy of all places. Yeah. <laughs> your, your place of work, uh, other work, of course. Mm-hmm. You, tell me what you do at Best Buy and what you do outside of Best Buy to, to, to pay the rent. Break it down. Um, so outside of Best Buy, I am a photographer and cinematographer. Okay, and inside of Best Buy. Um, I'm a photographer and a cinematographer. Oh, there it is. He does them both. Yeah. both places. Awesome. Uh, and what got you into photography and cinematography and making uh, movies or even documentary or docu-series? Um, well, growing up, I was always in art. Um, so I used to draw all the time. And I went to school for graphic design, of all things. And during school, I had to take a course for photography. Um, turns out, I like photography way more than graphic design. So... <laughs> I dropped out and bought a camera, and here I am today. <laughs> the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. While I was talking to you at, uh, at Best Buy, I said I needed a videographer and an editor for a project, uh, the Triumph series. Uh, so he is both uh, our editor, our, our cinematographer, <laughs> our videographer, our photographer. Wait, that's not both. That's like five things. And our subject today, yep. uh, and I ain't calling you <laughs> a subject. You are uh, a person we want to talk to. To, to share your story with the world. Um, now, I, you have a pretty interesting story of, of things you went through as a, as a child. Uh, you had a good upbringing. Yes. You, 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 you had two good parents. Yes. Uh, that stayed together. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and any, any siblings? Uh, yeah, two sisters, one older and one younger. Two sisters, one older, one younger. And how did they treat you? Um, they, they treat me great. Um, you know, as all siblings, we bigger, um, but I love them to death. Tyshawn, you were bullied in grade school for a very different reason than most are bullied, or most we know are bullied. There was no, there was a flaw with you. There was an issue that they made fun of your your ears or your face or your or the color of your skin. They made fun of you and harassed you because they felt you were more well off than them because of your kind upbringing. When maybe some of the folks that you were going to school with didn't have that nice home life. Uh, can you break down? Ex- and I want to give you real examples of what these kids did to you, and in your perspective, why? Um, so growing up, um, my parents, my parents are both entrepreneurs, um, so they own a, a very successful business. Um, and with that comes money, of course. So I never really had to struggle for a whole lot. Um, you know, if there's something I wanted, more than likely my parents could get. Um, so material things weren't really something that I really cared all that much about. Um, some people will die for stuff like that. Me personally, I don't really care for it because uh, of what it put me through growing up. Um, so growing up, there's a lot of kids in my school who 
didn't like me just because I had something that they didn't have. Um, and my parents had the ability to get it, um, and they just didn't. Um, so it was kind of a jealousy thing, um, which I don't, I don't personally really get, but I mean, I also wasn't someone who got in trouble for a whole lot, so. Um, but going through that, um, during the time, like, it, it wasn't just like, um, you know, people just shunning me, like, for a good portion of pretty much all of middle school and high school, I had to pretty much teach myself how to fight. Because if I didn't, I, I got the, the crap beat out of me, to put it simply. On a um, daily basis? Uh, pretty much, um, daily, weekly. Um, so was, I, I had to learn to defend myself. Um, that way, people would stop um, physically bullying me. But even though I, I was able to stop the physical bullying, because uh, I was a res relatively large kid, um, especially in middle school. So once I got bigger, they couldn't really physically harm me. Yeah. Um, but the mental was still there. The uh, torment, the verbal torment. Yeah. So verbal abuse. Just walking through halls and just knowing that 90% of the people around me just didn't like me. And for no reason other than my parents have money, which is something that I, I, can't, I can't control. So that's that green. That's that envy. Yeah. They, 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 the color that complements envy is usually green. And it was this envy that you had something they didn't, which, which, you know, when you look at individuals who have less than, uh, than you or less than, uh, the average well-off citizen or well-off youth because their parents are working so hard. Um, that's a common thing. Mm -hmm. You know, when we, and I say we as the collective, we, not you and I. Um, but when people, young or old, see someone who's got more than them, there is a general sense, I think, of envy in some individuals. And in, in grade school and high school and college, it is vicious, man. Yeah. Those kids are out there to find something about you that they don't like. And when they find it, they feast on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, in grade school, they, they would, eighth graders would hold my head down and say swing, little n-word swing, but they would say the word. Uh, they would say whistle, little n-word whistle. Mm -hmm. uh, and they would, uh, they would torment me every day and the eighth graders would do those things and uh, when I stopped them from harming other kids who were also being bullied, that's when they really, really tormented me. And then my own grade started taking shots at me and it was awful. And so I, I don't understand what you went through, but I can certainly empathize based upon the things that they did. Eighth graders would pick me up, turn me upside down, and place me in a trash can face first uh, and just tell me that's where I was. That because I didn't look like them, because I wasn't full white, that I was garbage. And um, can you break down, in that sense, I'm sharing with you just so we can have a common theme here. Can you break down the bullying and hazing that went on? Like what was, what was something specific that you, you hated going to school for because this you knew was going to occur? I remember starting in um, around fifth to sixth grade. Um, my, my dad's a sneakerhead. Um, so my dad loves sneakers and he would buy me sneakers all the time um, to the point where if I wanted, and this isn't trying to like brag or anything, but if I wanted, like I could, I could wear a different sneaker every day. Um, and I remember going to school, I had white Nikes on and I was listening to music in my, on my iPod. And I had, I just like randomly just like, like this kid Nelson, um, I remember him just because he was Let's the name these sons of bitches. <laughs> Let's name them. I remember Tony him, Rivera. Uh, just because he Mike, didn't. Mike Ramirez, go ahead. He didn't like me 
just because I was Kevin mean. Murphy, sorry, I'm done. You're fine. I'm just, I'm pissed off. <laughs> um, he didn't like me just because I was mean. Um, so he grabbed my headphones out of my ear um, and stepped on my shoes. Uh, Scuffing them? Yeah, he scuffed them. Um, I didn't personally really care all that much. I was like, the shoes, I have more at home. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Um, and he told me to give him my iPod. Um, so now it's, it's theft. Yeah, so yeah. obviously I wasn't going to give this kid that. <laughs> um, uh, luckily, like before anything like really happened, a teacher came over and you know like broke up that before it could really yeah. start. But around um, around the next class, um, I was walking. I was walking to lunch, and I walked around a corner and just fist in my face. Um, just him or somebody else with him. Um, it was him and two of his friends. Um, what are their names? <laughs> I don't remember their names. <laughs> You're not memorable enough. We don't remember you. I no remember, way. I just remember Nelson. Um, I hope you're good, good, good adults now. You should head. But yeah, I, I all I remember is a fist hitting my face, um, and they yelled for my iPod, and I just just took off the other direction. Bolted. Yeah, you can um, choose. You can run. Yeah, no. There's two, <laughs> three of you, one of me. I'm running. <laughs> I'm, I'm smart enough to know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just and that was the first time I really experienced like a, like that was a fight. It wasn't really a fight, but close enough to one. Um, and I came in the next day for school, and they had scuffed up my other shoes. So I came to school with a different pair of shoes on. Yeah, they didn't like that. Of course. Um, so it came. It became this daily thing of them trying to scuff up my shoes or. Just mess something up on me that looked valuable. I just um, have an investment in Scotchgard. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, also, other than just the school, though, um, although I love my parents to death, yeah. um, absolutely, they're amazing. I, I would die for them. Um, but at home, things weren't like a hundred percent either. Um, my mom was always my mom to this day is still the person that I go to to talk to about anything that's bothering me. If there's something on my mind, mom's the first one I call. Um, my dad, on the other hand, like I said, my, my, my parents came from the hood. Um, so they lived the complete opposite upbringing as me. And growing up, my dad didn't have much. Um, so he wanted the opposite for his kids, which most parents do. They, they want the, the best for their kid, obviously. Yeah. Um, but one, one flaw with that mentality is if I buy you things, that's going to make you happy. So... You know, when whenever he would buy us stuff, but my dad wouldn't really talk to us. Um, so I didn't have much of a relationship with my dad. Um, so much so to the point where for the, I, I'm 24 now. I just recently started having a better relationship with my dad for the last maybe three or four years. Um, those other 20, it's kind of just a blur. Um, most of the time I was around him, he owned his own business. So any vacations that we took at the family, he was on his phone taking care of business, yeah. um, which, I mean, I can't complain about because it put a roof over my head, food in my mouth, a, a home to shit in. So, <laughs> I mean, a bathroom. Don't, yeah, don't shit a in the house. A bathroom don't just, to shit in. Don't just go in. in the carpeted area of the house. Yeah, that's just, just disrespectful. Right in the living that's room. Don't do that. Use the bathroom and toilet paper, of course. Yes. Or a bidet, whatever you choose. <laughs> okay. No, but so, so, so your dad and you for 20 years had no like verbal communication that was really uh, – really of uh, immeasurable value and, and, yeah. and that, that taught you. So did, did he teach you lessons or did he just, was he just for that period of time, 
you, as you said, believing that buying you things was the way to your happiness. So, was there any connection? So there were connections. Um, most of the, I won't lie, and I don't want to seem like I'm bragging on my dad at all because yeah. I love him. Yeah. Um, but one of the, some of the most valuable lessons that he has taught me, even even without him verbally telling me, is um, a certain work mentality. Work ethic. Um, yeah. So yes, my worth my work work ethic that I have. His work ethic is next level. I can attest to that. <laughs> right? When you come in here and you come to these shoots and you knock it out. And here I am, you know, you're waiting on to do the editing and I can't get my shit together, you know, I, and that's why I, I no, like, let's talk about this for a minute. Like, you know, I, I, we shot, we shot the original episodes of Triumph, how many months ago? Uh, about three or four. Now? Three or four. I think it was actually six. Was it six? I think it was it six. It was in 2019. Um, yeah. It was 19? Yeah. It was 2009. I think it was like January. It was January. Yeah. February, March, April, May, June. All right, five. Yeah. All right, it's July now. Okay. So, <laughs> so you know, I have an issue with <laughs> with creating footage that nobody ever had to edit. So there's there's forty terabytes coming. You hang on tight. <laughs> but but your work ethic, as I can see, as from the very beginning, is next level. Let's talk about something else. You live with chronic pain. Uh, yes. Um, in 2015, I got into a car accident. Yes. Um, and it gave me a herniated disc um, in my back. So so you're picking up these heavy bags of the film equipment, but you're getting it done because you believe in the work, you love what you do, and you found your passion, which is amazing. All right, let's get back to your dad. So tell me what it was, break down at the end of the end part of what it was growing up and, and how it changed. How did you find a way to communicate with, with your dad that was more positive than, than those first 20 years? Um, it took a very long time. Um, with my dad, um, since I never really had him around, I built up a resentment without even knowing it. Um, so that just kind of added. So I would have all this crap going on at school, um, not happy there, and then I would come home and I would feel uneasy at home as well. Um, so it was kind of just an ongoing, just blur of anger, sadness, depression, yeah. all of it. Um, to this, around three years ago, it, it's actually kind of funny. Um, not haha funny, but kind of like um, ironic. Um, the way I was able to get a better relationship with my dad was we had an argument. Um, and I just kind of let it all out. The truth. Yeah. It just The truth shall set you free. Exactly. Yeah, most definitely. So I, I had to, it was a conversation that had to be had though. Um, there's only so much that you can keep inside. Yeah. And even if you think that someone might not like what you have to say, in my, my mentality um, recently have been, even if you don't like what I have to say, I'm not going to do anybody a service by keeping it in. When we censor ourselves mm -hmm. with anyone, those we love, those we know, those we don't know, those we don't even like, mm -hmm. when we censor ourselves, we, uh, it, it, it bubbles. Yes. And it grows. Yes. And it Without bursts. And then it bursts. And in, in, in society today, I think that burst ends up being in uh, rage, aggression, resentment, mm -hmm. violence, substance use disorder, even suicidal thoughts, ideas, actions. I think it represents itself uh, in in uh, manifesting into other diagnosed mental illnesses and making them worse and more perpetuated. And I think that uh, one thing we have to learn as we grow up, is, and I teach this in every presentation I give around the world, is to never silence your pain. Yes. And I say to people, your pain is valid. Your pain is worthy of my time and others, and your pain matters uh, because you matter. Mm -hmm. And if you can unburden yourself from the silence you've 
developed over years and the built up resentment, guess what? When you tell that person how you truly feel, that resentment goes right out the window. Um, and it doesn't go often exactly at the time you need to, but eventually if you have a real, you know, calculated conversation with this individual, but I mean calculated with only the truth that you've been keeping in for so long, um, you unburden yourself, you let them know, you know, why, why they're wondering all the time, like, why are they so upset with me? I can feel the resent, you know, when you, you can feel when someone resents you. Oh, you know when someone is upset at you and they're not telling you the truth. Um, and so, uh, tell me, how did your dad take it? He didn't take it very well um, at first. My dad's, my dad's not very open with his feelings. Okay. Um, he, he just kind of, in a way, he's just, I'm, I'm the same way as him. I, I tend to keep things to myself. Um, and I don't like, I don't like, um, like heavy confrontation that much. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like I'm upsetting someone, I'm murdering someone, burdening somebody. Um, but we, we, just, we had an argument back and forth. And just some things got said that had to be said. Um, I got to tell him how I felt. He got to tell me how he, he felt. And although it wasn't a conversation that probably either one of us liked to say we had, I'm able to express myself a lot better to him now. Good. So that opened up a doorway for real in-depth communication. Yes. With Pops. Okay, so we'll go back. You you bullied for how many years? Um, Middle school, going through high school, up until my junior year. Up until your junior year of high school. Yeah. So, what grade middle school? Just so I understand. Uh, sixth grade. Sixth grade to start. Fifth, sixth grade, um, all the way till junior year of high school. Mm. That's a good stretch of time, man. Yes. Fifth, <laughs> sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. So, so seven years of torment. Mm. Uh, and, and of course you learned, did you learn a martial art to defend yourself? How did you defend yourself? Um, eventually? boxing, boxing. Um, I did learn boxing. Um, and you must so, have a good bob and weep. Or you must have one hell of a right hook. I don't know. Uh, a little bit of both. A little, a little, bit a little of mixture. Both. A little mixture. mixture. Um, I also learned a little bit of uh, mixed martial arts as well. Mixed martial arts. Okay. Yeah. So bobbing and weaving martial arts and, 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 a, and a good right hook. Um, and that, that kept you from the physical torment, but it didn't stop the mental and verbal abuse. No. Um, that, that, unfortunately, that never really stopped. Um, uh. I eventually learned to just ignore it because, I mean, even to this day, there's, there's people who are just douches. <laughs> like, uh, like plain and simple. Let's give a message to all of Tyshawn's haters. <laughs> uh, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you're a good dude with a great Thank heart. You. And, and that, that you can tell from the moment you meet him if, if you're also a good human being. Um, and, and for those of you haters out there in the world who waste your time trolling or make money trolling online or just like hating on people because you can, um, just I'm going to ask you a question. Try being positive for once in your life and see how your life turns around. Yeah. Look at that inner critical voice in your existence. What made you a hater? Uh, and I don't, I don't mind haters. That, you know, I get people that send me death threats. I don't care. Look, I want you to go find your good mental brain mind behavioral and physical well-being i want you to be your best self whether you don't like me or you do or you don't like tyshawn or you do i don't care mm -hmm. uh you know you're wasting your time you're wasting your life hurting other people you should go do something that makes you happy and if that makes you happy you know you have a serious problem and mm -hmm. and let's be clear people hate on other people people abuse them with their words people hurt people with actions physical actions um and hate on them online because they've been hurt yes
People only hurt other people because of their life situations or traumas of the past of their parents, their parents, parents, their parents, parents, parents. It comes from like a mentality of I'm hurting, so you should be hurting. I'm hurting, so you should be hurting too. Yeah. But let's say something about your father. Your father was hurting in his childhood yes. and adulthood, yes. but he goes on to become a, a great dad yes. who who takes care of his son. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he's a, like I said, I, I, I know I may have painted a certain picture, but he's a, he's an amazing man. He just had trouble understanding um, the, the, the different type of mentality that he was that they were upbringing. Yes, um, so it was just a disconnect between my sisters and him because he hustled to survive yeah and then he came up in the world and he goes i have it now why isn't my son happy with having what i have yeah or more you know yeah um and it comes from a lot of people have that mentality yeah if you have that's why you have so many celebrities and stuff who kill themselves and um you know they're they're getting high all the time because people expect you have everything that i could possibly want in the world so who are you to say that you're not happy right now and if you look at celebrities and the celebrity culture that we are obsessed with in this country and, and around the world, um, it's almost, they're almost driven to this by the sheer enormity of their personas mm-hmm. and the effect that a persona has on the general public and the public's obsession with them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I don't mean that we are driving them to do drugs or to do violent things or to hurt other people. I'm saying that the, the, the celebrity culture is an overwhelming one for the actual person inside of that, who looks out at these, you know, once you're online, once you're, once you have a, uh, the numbers to back up whatever kind of celebrity you have, um, that comes with torment from all kinds of people who don't like you, mm-hmm. who are envious of you. So yes. you go from your level, my level of, of struggle with the bullies I had, um, my dad who was verbally abusive my whole life, but adopted me, maybe his son is still the best dad in the world. You know, still love him dearly. He's still a man who's taught me ex- many life lessons, like your dad taught you work ethic. My dad said hard work because nothing good ever came without it. I repeat that all the time. Um, Tyshawn, um, how did how did the coming together of you and your father? Uh, how did it first occur, and and what does it look like today? And I want you to give me a specific example. The coming together of me and my father. Um... Well, like I said, it, it started with that conversation that me and him had, and it has started to connect more and more. Um, because honestly, it's like the last few years, it's like me and my dad have just started like a real relationship. Yeah, well, we just started um, like it's like we met each other for the first time recently. Wow. Um, because through my life, I had for a decent part of my life, I had a falling out with my with my dad. Um, so I moved out of I moved out of my house at, um, I think I was around 19. It was about a year after I graduated. Um, and I, I moved out because um, I just, I, me and my, I just couldn't live at home. Um, so I needed to leave. So I went off and I, I kind of did my own thing. I did my own hustle to try to find out what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be at and all that. Um, and the business that my dad owns is a rim shop. So my dad, you know, he sells rims, tires, anything car related, he does it. Um, so recently, um, you know, I've been, I've been going to their store and there's certain things that I learned while I was on my own that he didn't know I knew. So I'll come to the store and I'll just like help him out around the store. And it's kind of something that we just started bombing on because he didn't even know that I knew those kind of things. So you walk in and he's totally surprised that you know how to do the things he loves. Yeah. So like I'll walk in, like um, when I moved, when I first moved back down to Atlanta from New York, um, 
he needed like he he was short a worker. Mm-hmm. So I came into the store and I was like, "What do you need help with?" And he was like, "My my dad has a bad back as well." So have you ever mounted a rim onto a tire? It's grueling. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he really shouldn't have been doing it. So I offered to just come into the store and help him do it. He didn't know I knew how to do it. Um, so That's a proud Papa moment right there. Yes, it was. Yeah, man, for sure. <laughs> um, so, it was, so being at the store is one of those things that helped me bond with him a little bit more. Wow. Um, so it's th- those are some of the things that like I'll just come to the store and you know see if he needs any help with doing something. Because um, it's one of those things that we kind of bond over. So you bond over the rims and the cars, which are still, a, it, all kinds are still insanely popular here in Atlanta. Yes. Yeah, man. Yes. I mean, in Cali, they've kind of like dwindled down from like, yeah. you know, they, they were the chrome and the platinum and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the 22 inch, like you saw that all over California. Oh, yeah. You don't see that much over California right now, at least, at least where I'm uh, traveling in Cali. But it is it is heavy on some parts of the East Coast and the oh, South. Very, so very Yeah, man. So that's, that's awesome. Shout out to those who have rims. Uh, I love looking at them, especially those spinning ones. Keep them around, even though they were, <laughs> they were super 2000, 1999. <laughs> but I like seeing them. So I'll give you a good, like, you know what I mean to them. <laughs> okay, let's switch topics here for just a minute. We've talked about your dad. We've talked about your, your, your relationship with the bullies and how you overcame that. Uh, we talked about, you know, you learning to physically defend yourself just so you could survive. That's intense. Um, and, and, uh, and we can't forget the scuffed on all those shoes you had to, you know, get rid of, but, but uh, I want to ask you a couple of things. I want to ask you first about your good relationship with your mom and how you tell her everything. Um, what is, um, talk about the importance of a good mother. So the connection, the bond. If I'm going to be honest, if it wasn't for my mom, I probably wouldn't even be the person I am today. Um, my, Same. yes. Um, my mom is someone that I've always been able to feel like I could always talk to and who's always been just a very opening and inviting person to have a conversation with, never judged me once in my life. Um, if I ever had something that I needed advice on, she was always willing to give me the, as much advice as she possibly could on the matter. And I, like, I, I couldn't imagine my life without my mom. What's your name? Uh, Karen. Karen? Yes. Shout out to Karen. <laughs> we love Karen. Thank you for ma- for building this amazing young man <laughs> who uh, is, is one hell of a hard worker and, and, uh, and a really kind and good, genuine human being. Um, okay, so I, I love my mom too. We've had our fallings out back and forth, up and down. Uh, but if it wasn't for her, uh, I would be uh, the non-judgmental person that I am. So I, mm-hmm. I, I copy that. Um, now, now, moving forward, I'd like to talk to you about uh, the depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to hear from you what that looked like from from its inception to today. Uh, and in the middle of that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You you attempted to take your life. Yes. Uh, I want you to get into that, and I want you to. We're going to be careful and safe message on this, but it's important that you talk about how you did it, the incidents that happened that literally saved your life, as in. What, what happened when you attempted and how it, how it was stopped mm-hmm. and, how, and how you enjoy and are thankful for being here today. Let me ask you a question. Uh, we'll backtrack here, we'll go back. But, but you would not, I'm guessing you would not have met the love of your life, your wife mm-hmm. and married her if you had died. Correct. Wow, yeah. wow, and that's the same for me. Uh, brother, as I always say, break it down. Yeah, so um, with the depression, 
I didn't, I didn't know what depression was. Um, as you know, it's not really talked about that much, yeah. especially in the black community. Yeah. Um, so it's something that I, did, I just felt like I was being sad. And you know, one of the things that my dad used to always say is man up. Um, oh. So it was one of those things where it's just like, I had a negative, I had a negative connection with showing emotions. So I would try my best to avoid ever crying. Like the only expression I would ever show other than happy is angry. Those were, for me, those were the only two things. If I, if I was feeling sad, I got mad because of the fact that I was feeling sad. Um, and bottling those emotions up is very unhealthy. Um, and I didn't realize how, how much of a toll it was taking on my, on my mental. And your physical um, health. It's toxic for your body. Yes. Um, and I had, I, I grew very accustomed to lying. Um, you know, I put on a happy face. So, you know, as far as my friends or my family were concerned, I could have just been a very happy go lucky kid. Um, I never really, I never told anybody that I was wrong, that I was sad or that I was feeling depressed because I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just sad. And like I said, I thought sad was bad. Um, so through those like around like five years around, I believe it was around freshman year of high school, um, it just kind of reached a boiling point. Um, and I was, I was usually when I was home, I was home with my two sisters. Um, but that day I had come home and I was home by myself. Um, and my dad has, my dad has guns and something just told me, go to the room, um, put the mag in and put it to your head. Um, so that's exactly what I did. I, I went into my parents' room, I sat on the floor, um, and I didn't really think I just, I did it. You attacked um, Yes. You, you pulled the trigger. Um, but the... The, the reason I'm here is because the gun jam. Um, I think that's what it was. I don't know how to use it. Back then, I didn't know how to use guns. So I thought you just put the mag in, pull the trigger. I thought it was that simple. I don't know exactly what happened. All I know is I pulled the trigger. I waited for like a minute or two and realized that I was still breathing. Um, and I kind of, I got scared. Uh, so I just kind of, I rushed and put it back. Um, and I just ran into my room and I just locked myself in the room for the rest of the day. How long did you not tell, tell anyone? Um, that was freshman year. I didn't tell anyone until it was after I graduated high school. Who did you tell? Um, the first person I told was my wife. Uh, well, my then girlfriend. Yeah. Um, she was one of the people I, I just felt like I could trust her with, the, with that. Um, especially since we both have we were, we both have gone through very low points in our lives, and I told her during a conversation about that. Um, I didn't tell my family until it had to be at least like five or six months later. Um, and who did you tell in your family first? The first person I told in my family was my dad. Um, really? It was. It was not. I would have called your mom. Okay. Um, I, I kind of told I kind of told both of them. Yeah. Um, but the only reason I even told my dad was we were arguing, um, and it was a it was a very heated argument. Um, it was around the time when I was leaving home. Yeah. Um, 
I can't even, I wouldn't even be able to tell you exactly what we were arguing about. Context was, yeah. Um, but I just, like, I, I remember texting him, I wish I'd killed myself that day. Um, and that was, that was the first time that I, that I ever openly said that I've tried to take my own life. Um, I had a, I, I did have, eventually have a full conversation about it with my mom. Um, but it's, it's still not something that I really even have had a very in-depth conversation with any member of my family about. Yeah. Other than my little sister. Okay. Um, and and you're alive and well. Yes. <laughs> yes. The gun jammed or the safety was on or something happened and you, you're, you're safe and you're today. Um, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What would you have missed? If you died that day, what would you have missed? Name, give me as many things as you can, as many milestones as you can, or simple little things that matter. What would Tyshawn have missed if he had died that day by suicide? Um... Spending time with all the members of my family, um, meeting my wife's family for the first time, mm. um, going going to Japan for the first time. Um, I can't imagine not having the last what ten years of my life. Never filming the series Triumph. <laughs> never filming. Never meeting Kevin. Never meeting Kevin. I I couldn't imagine if I if I, I I'm, I'm so happy I didn't try a second time or um, yeah I just I couldn't imagine. Because you're here today, and it seems like you have better relationships mm-hmm. with the people you love. Um, your work ethic and your and your and your hustle game is is next level. Um, Right now, in the last you know six months, we, we we're making media that matters. Wherever it goes, it's going to help people, and that's going to leave your imprint on the world forever. And people are going, you know, the people that do watch this are going to remember this story. Mm-hmm. It's powerful and palpable, and they're going to be moved to the core. Um, and even this story, I know, this story is going to change lives. Your story, someone's going to relate to your pain. They're going to relate to the story you have, the attempt, the survival, and they're going to want to be here tomorrow. And they're going to want to triumph over their adversity just because you did. That's a special thing, man. You know, on the flip side, I'm really glad I got to meet you mm-hmm. because I believe people are put into our lives in a purposeful uh, kind of we're on a linear path. We're on this linear path that that uh, may uh, may eventually be tangential. And we go this way and we go that way. And if we go that way, this is going to happen. If we go this way, that's going to happen. Um, uh, had I, you know, on the day we were to meet you in Best Buy, we were going to go to Fry's, mm-hmm. which is farther away. Yeah. But we were going to go to Fry's. Uh, and my, at the last minute, my wife was like, no, I looked it up. Best Buy is right here. And I was like, we're already on our way to Fry's. She goes, no, just we'll go to this one. And we go to the one that you're working at. Mm-hmm. And I walked up to you and asked you a bunch of goofy questions as a new filmmaker. <laughs> you know, like, how do I do this? How do I do that? What do I do with this and that? How does this go together? And, and you know, uh, some people get annoyed by my inquisitive nature. But, but you know, I'm a new filmmaker trying to make content that matters uh, with my family, with my wife, my producer, uh, and, and, um, uh, and, some other, and some other friends, some great friends. None of us can do this alone. Mm-hmm. And I meet you and I say, hey, we're trying to shoot this that thing, which I kind of... I mean, honestly, I made it up on the spot. You know, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to create something that was in my mind, but I hadn't put it on paper. I hadn't made a creative brief. I hadn't done anything for it. And you're like, yeah, we can do it. And um, you know, Tyshawn, I'm grateful that we got to connect. I believe definitely. we'll be connected for life. 
I believe we'll make content until you're ready not to uh, together. <laughs> you know, you're like, done with that guy, Kevin Ryan, he talks too much. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm uh, whatever happens going forward, and if, if somehow we part ways and don't do work together, uh, which I think is impossible, I am grateful to know you. For sure. I'm grateful for your friendship in my life. And I hope that after this Triumph series is done and it goes where it goes, um, I hope we can kick it old school with the wives, uh, you know, have them meet each other, do some kind of double date. I hope to meet your parents someday Mm -hmm. uh, and learn where you came from in a deeper sense. If I ever need rims. If I ever need rims, yeah. On on my shoes because I don't drive. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, know, uh, my wife might need rims. That might be kind of cool. Um, but you know, uh, Tyshawn, uh, keep telling your story mm. to the people that you, you dub, uh, uh, worthy of it and, and, and share your hope and your truth with as many people as you can. And, uh, and my friend, thank you for telling this story here today in an unencumbered, honest way. Thank I really awesome. appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I listen to this over and over again. My lovely wife, Margaret, and I love sharing stories of people who have triumphed over incredible adversity. To stay up to date on our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a rating and a review. For more content and inspiration, go to kevinhindstory.com or visit us on all social medias at Kevin Hines Story or head on over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Kevin Hines. So stay tuned, be well, and be here tomorrow. Tomorrow.